and of the society. It's, oh no, student loans are a good thing because they're an investment into your education or your future. And an investment is something that you invest on and you get more back for. So if you invest a hundred grand for a degree and you're only gonna make $40,000 a year, that is not a good investment. If I ask any teenager, hey, you give me a hundred thousand, I'll give you 40. They're not gonna go for that. They know that that's not a good, that's not a good trade-off. This is your career GPS. The podcast designed to help teens, young adults, students, new graduates, and emerging professionals navigate their career journey. And your journey starts now. Welcome back to Your Career GPS Podcast. We are so excited to dive into yet another amazing episode, and this one's going to be a little bit different for us today. You know, over the course of the last several weeks, we've talked about a range of different subjects related to career development, whether it be personal branding, job search, um, just being able to find your way through your career in a way that's authentic. You know, we have, uh, you know, all of these different uh, amazing guests that we've been able to have over the last couple of weeks who have lent their uh, knowledge and their wisdom to be able to provide for us. And we're so appreciative of that. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. It's embedded into our careers, into our lifestyle, and that's the concept of money. And we have an amazing guest to be able to speak about the concept of money and money management as a student, as a recent graduate, somebody who is just venturing into their careers and really not understanding the power that money really has. And what I love about our guest is she has an amazing story that she's going to share about um, her experiences with that firsthand and how they really shaped her life and now her ability to be able to give back. This is so important to be able to really understand the magnitude of how these decisions early on shape the uh, impact of your career and what you're going to have at your disposal in terms of your compensation, your salary, your bonuses, benefits, um, your retirement package, all of these things really have lasting effects and knowing them early and being able to arm yourself with the correct information to make the appropriate choices that are going to set you up for success is absolutely vital. And these are the things that I wish that I knew <laughs> many years ago when I was starting out. But luckily, you guys are in for a treat today. So Cassie, can you introduce our guest? Yes, our guest today is Tracy Baconhaster. Tracy is the founder of Raising the Next Gen, an organization founded to empower teens to become successful adults with career exploration and planning for both college-bound students and workforce-ready individuals. As someone who changed their major multiple times before graduating with $85,000 in student debt, Tracy knows how unprepared she was for her career, college, and the adult world. She now has a passion to educate, guide, and support high school students to prepare them for life after graduation so that they can become successful adults. With her 10 plus years of experience in higher education and career tech, she's coaching the next generation for lifelong success. So welcome to the podcast, Tracy. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and be able to have this conversation with you guys for sure. Yeah. Um, like Brad said in the intro, this is definitely a topic that he's passionate about. Um, also a topic that I'm passionate about as well and making sure that, you know, students, whether they're 
in high school and preparing for college or already in college or even young young professionals um, are just learning about finance overall and financial wellness is kind of a, a concept. So I'm excited to dive into it today. But before we do, can you uh, just tell our listeners a little bit about your background and kind of how you found your way into your current career and, and everything that you're doing around this topic? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, back in high school, I was the kid that, you know, was a good student, honor roll student, had a good GPA, had no clue what I wanted to do with my life, had a broad array of interests. I mean, I wanted to be in the CIA. I wanted to be a veterinarian. I mean, it was every every which way. <laughs> and I actually went a very non-traditional path and got married halfway through my senior year of high school, which he was in the military. So that set me on a whole different path than even one I initially had anticipated. Of course, being very young, it didn't end up working out good life lessons learned, but did not work out. And so I found myself back home kind of without a path, without a plan. So ended up, you know, making poor decisions and not doing the best thing in my life. Cause I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I'm not really thinking of those things. Then ended up finding myself in a situation where I was a single mom. And that's kind of when things started to click of, oh, I should probably start figuring life out and probably start to do things and change it up because I have somebody else to think about, not just me now. And that's when I actually enrolled in college because I'm like, well, that's what you do, right? You go to college and that's where you figure it out. Ended up changing my major several times. Finally ended up on a transfer degree at the community college I was at. Um, worked a lot with career counselors, did a lot of like internships and things to try to get some experience on what do I like to do. And that's when it kind of landed me on a direction of a business degree, which, you know, it's very general. It's a good degree, kind of that umbrella degree. And then I ended up transferring, got my bachelor's degree. As a single parent, it was definitely different than a normal traditional student would go through and proved its own sense of challenges and the sense of jobs and trying to find income and all those things. And that's predominantly where most of my student debt actually came from, was trying to pay bills, you know, pay rent, take care of a little child, little toddler, and, you know, using it for food and those types of things because I was working part-time making like $17,000 a year, which is nothing when you have daycare and you have diapers and these fun things. Right. So I was in a little bit of a non-traditional area, but my peers around me, you know, they were going the traditional route, but they were still ending up with that kind of debt and things because, oh, I don't have the money saved up or I don't have scholarships or I'm not eligible for a Pell Grant. I was at least eligible being a single parent. So that was kind of what really set me in that direction. And then from there, it was just a lot of trial and error of, okay, business but what in business and ended up working in some areas, worked with students, which I loved. I loved working with students. And as I was spending time in higher education, um, I spent a lot of time with high school students in our area and actually talked with over 4,000 high school students, um, saw over 45 different high schools in the area during my time there and came to the realization that, you know, no wonder I ended up in the situation I ended up in because I wasn't taught any of these things. You know, I wasn't taught about money and how to manage your finances or the fact that student debt, it's not an investment. It is a, not an investment at all if you're not going to make the money to cover it. Um, and just really had those realizations. And I was like, why is nobody talking about this? Why is nobody helping these students? And so that's when I really made that transition to be like, well, I can do this. Why don't I go do this? And so I was like, you know what? all right, we're going to, we're going to just take this leap of faith and start this business. So started developing the business plan and putting it all together. And now here I am, you know, a year and a half into business and I've transitioned a few times and changed things up a few times as you do when you're starting a new business. But it was a long and rough path, which I like to tell people, I'm like, Hey, I did all the hard work for you. So you don't <laughs> have to go down that road now. Now I can help guide you 
through the path that's a lot more <laughs> simple and not as expensive. But it was definitely a nice, nice long workaround to get where I am. You know, one of the things that um, really, really hit me as I was kind of reading through that bio was um, just kind of feeling really empowered by that story and just seeing just the, the, the sharp contrast of where you were and where you are. And I know, as you just pointed out, it was a hard road, you know, just being a single mom working part-time, trying to, to fund your way through school. Unfortunately, this is a very common story for so many individuals and you've lived it and you've gone through it and um, you made it out and and now have really, really turned to an amazing corner and you're giving back to individuals. So just a major kudos to you for, for that. One of the things that I was kind of interested in was you know, you, you talked in transparency, um, you know, through your, through your materials, through your content about, you know, making some, some poor choices and, and, you know, digging yourself a hole and not being the most, uh, savvy when it comes to finances. And again, that's no fault of your own. It's just a lot of times we're just, you know, again, they, they don't provide this education for so many. And of course I did, you know, I'm a victim of this too. That's why it so resonated so much with me. Where was that point for you that you said, God, a change really needs to happen? Was there that that critical breaking point where you said, you know what, enough is enough. I need to turn the ship around. Yeah, there there definitely was. Um, it came to the point where I had bought a home and because it was cheaper than renting because everybody's like, oh, yeah, buy a house. The payment's cheaper than renting. And I guess perfect. I was able to get qualified and able to get a small little starter home, which was great obviously was not have the income to take care of any home expenses. It was an older home. And all of a sudden I had a major plumbing issue happen in my house where the main line completely collapsed in. It was like a $4,000 fix. I didn't have $4,000. I didn't even have $4,000 left on my credit cards that I've been living on. So at that point it was kind of like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And I ended up actually having to go to the bank and refinance my car to make get enough money to pay for the plumbing fix. And at that point, it was just like, you know what? I can't live like this. I don't want to be like this. I knew I didn't want to get to bankruptcy. And that's pretty much where I was at. I was like, okay, I'm already working three jobs. I'm going to school full time and max out credit cards, all these things. Where else can I go from here? And so at that point, it was actually when I started to look into finances and like, okay, how do you manage finances? Like I knew nothing about it. You know, families and a lot of families experience this where they don't talk about it. It's the hush hush. We don't talk about money. Like I had no idea how much my parents made. I had right. no idea what their budget looked like, and which right. is why I had no clue about money. And it's not their <laughs> fault. They were raised that way. And that's just that cycle that we just all seem to keep going through. And so I ended up seeking help from a financial advisor and coach. He does both. Um, and he kind of got me going on being able to get some debt paid off and things and then introduced me to Dave Ramsey. And so I started looking at Dave Ramsey, read his book. And, you know, then it was like all in. I drank the Kool-Aid. I jumped in every group. I did all the things. And then at what, finally, as I started seeing transitions and I started making progress, I then met my now husband. Um, and then when we got married a couple of years later, we were able to bring it in and pretty much knock out all of our debt except for our student loans, which was fabulous. Um, so student loans are still there and we're working on them, but we made significant progress. We paid off 50 grand worth of debt, which was awesome. Um, not having a car payment, not having those things, the credit cards, it's great. And so it just, that was that turning point though, of when I was like looking at, okay, I either 
I'm not going to have any aid left to come to me. There's no more. I can't get any more credit cards because my debt to income ratio is too high. And at this point, it's going to be either I declare bankruptcy or what? I become homeless. I mean, my family, thank goodness, wouldn't allow that to happen. But I was in that situation of something's got to change. I have to say in full transparency that that was one of the other things that really caught my attention. I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan. You're either, you either love him or you hate him, but you know, yes. so, so I love the fact that, that you bought in and you drank the Kool-Aid and obviously, you know, it does. I mean, you know, it's, it's, these are very, very good practices. So love it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. He's definitely agree. He's the, he's the love him or hate him. I saw him at a conference um, after I started looking into him and that was what did it for me. I was like, this man is awesome. Like, I love his ridiculous honesty. This is fabulous. <laughs> I really like the the point that you brought up of just kind of being in that headspace of like something has to change, kind of being at that that breaking point, I guess is the best way to describe it. And I think you know, for the work that Brad and I do, we work with a lot of young people who are really in like the true early stages of their career and who are making decisions that maybe they're not quite at the same breaking point, but they're now thinking ahead to that, to that breaking point and really thinking about the debt that they're going to come out of school with. And it can be kind of terrifying to look mm-hmm. at the the price tag of an education and to kind of do that like cost benefit analysis, especially at such a young age. And, and like you're saying too, with families that maybe aren't talking about money or aren't having an honest conversation about, you know, the price tag of school, it can be really challenging. So do you have any advice or insight for students about how they can kind of navigate this and, and achieve their goals without coming out of school with thousands and thousands of dollars in debt? Absolutely. I think the biggest thing is, and I, I don't, I don't think I have a great word in the sense of like, but kind of like humility. I think a lot of teens get stuck on, oh, my friends are going here. Oh, I want to go to this school because of the name of the school and all those things. And yes, that's a great thing if you can do it. But knowing that that decision can really set your entire future into motion in a positive or negative way. And a lot of teens, we don't think of that stuff. When I was a teenager, I didn't think of those things because it just didn't occur to me. It was like, oh, well, that's later. Just like retirement, that's later. I don't have to worry about that right now. But when you really start doing the calculations and you're like, oh, that's how much money I have to pay back to get those loans. Oh, what do you mean I could still be paying on them for 20 years? oh, what do you mean there's interest and I'm paying more money than what I borrowed? And there's all these factors that we just aren't really thought about because in our in the society, it's, oh, no, student loans are a good thing because they're an investment into your education or your future. And an investment is something that you invest on and you get more back for. So if you invest a hundred grand for a degree and you're only going to make $40,000 a year, that is not a good investment. If I ask any teenager, hey, you give me a hundred thousand, I'll give you 40 they're not going to go for that. They know that that's not a good, that's not a good trade-off. And that's exactly what's happening in the higher education space when it comes to college costs. Um, The biggest thing I think is just having that awareness of what is realistic in our family's budget. You know, if I'm paying out of pocket, if I don't get any grants or scholarships, I mean, scholarships are the way to go and not enough students apply for them. And there's tons of aid out there. And yeah, it's a lot of work. It is not an easy job. You're going to spend hours and hours and hours doing that. But even at the end of the day, I tell students, I'm like, if you get $10,000 for the scholarships and you put 40 hours into that, you're making $250 an hour. That's better than any job you're going to get. So it is well worth the investment of your time. Um, but I think just making those cognizant decisions and knowing that, you know, community college is also a good option. 
you don't have to go to that four-year school right away. You could go there later on when you have your finances in a better spot. So Tracy, I really, really appreciate the points that you make there. And I think one of the things that you really alluded to was some of these traps, some of these um, unfortunate things that, uh, you know, so many young people can really, really fall into just because of, you know, being naive or oblivious or whatever you want to call it. They, they don't have the, the correct information that they need and they really, you know, put themselves in very precarious positions where they're not, they're not getting the return on the investment um, based on, you know, lack of information. So, you know, what are, you know, maybe some of these other uh, traps that, um, you know, young people tend to fall into that really, really hurt them as it pertains to their finances? Yeah, I think another big one outside of even just education, the education world in general is credit cards, um, especially as soon as you turn 18, you're getting applications, you're getting calls. Oh, Hey, we can get you money. And, and it's such an easy trap to fall into because you can go into it saying, okay, I'll get it. Cause I need to build my credit so I can get an apartment or I want to buy a car or whatever. And I'll just put this on it and pay it off every month. And that sounds all hunky dory and fabulous until, oh, well, I could just swipe in by this. Oh, well, you know, I hope I need a new shoe. So let me go get new shoes. And next thing you know, you're sitting there with credit card debt. And it happens so quickly to people. And my brother's even a great example of this. Even he's younger than I am. So he saw me go through all this and he was like, nope, not going to be me. I'm never going to do this. And lo and behold, at like 21 years old, he already had over $30,000 for the credit card debt. I mean, it should never happen, but he fell into that trap and then his credit got destroyed. And he's still recovering his credit right now where he wants to be able to go get an apartment and he can't get his credit score over 700. And he's now out of debt. But it's just that that weight of what that does to you is so much more than just, oh, I have debt. It's like, yeah, but that debt can weigh you down. That debt eats up your income that you're working hard for. And credit cards, if used properly, they can help with credit. But most people can't do just the minimum expenses and pay it off every month. It just statistically, it's just not doesn't work that way, unfortunately. Tracy, I think you make such a good point about how even when people have the best intentions in mind when it comes to personal finance and kind of how they're going to approach credit cards and debt and school and, and everything that comes with this, it can still be such a slippery slope and it's something that can can happen so quickly and kind of before we even realize it's happening. So now that we've kind of talked about some of the traps that people can fall into, um, are there things that people can do, especially as they're thinking about enrolling in college or a training program, um, kind of the, the biggest things or the best things that people can do to really set themselves up for success before they make such a big financial commitment to their education? Absolutely. No, I, I definitely think that the biggest thing is just knowing their money, knowing where it goes, even if they have hardly any money coming in, you know, they could just be getting allowance from their parents. And that's okay, you still need to budget that money, because you might want to go to the movies with your friends, or you might want to go get something, or buy a new outfit, whatever it is. So starting to learn how to manage your money with whatever money you have, I think is number one. Because if you're not managing your money, that's when things get out of control. That's when you start, you know, overspending in areas, you start getting in debt because you're spending more than you have coming in. And so just having that awareness of what's going on with your money and having that plan behind it, I think is so essential to success, especially financially. I mean, it's the foundation of it. It's kind of that, I don't like to say the budget word because a lot of people don't like that, but to me, it's a plan. It's a plan for your money. You're telling your money where you want it to go. 
instead of it dictating what you can do. And I think that's where a lot of people fall short because they don't do that. They don't manage their money. So that is number one. And then I would say the second thing is if, you know, college is in the plan and yes, I want to go to college, just doing it the smartest way possible, you know, knowing if I don't get a full ride, if that means I'm going to take out, you know, 50,000, 80,000, $100,000 of debt, that maybe that's not the best option right now. Doesn't mean you can't go to college. Maybe it's a gap year. You take a gap year, you work full time for an entire year, work as much as you can, build up as much money as you can, and use that to help pay your education. Applying for scholarships, you know, that is a huge opportunity for students that can help get you through college at no cost. It doesn't cost you anything. It's free money. And it blows my mind the amount of students that are like, I don't want to work for that. I'm like, but 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 you're working for for your education to not cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars later in life. So just, I think the biggest things is just managing your money, understanding where it's going, having a plan for it so that you can kind of grow your plan with your money. As you get more money, you already have a plan. You just grow that plan. And then being very cognizant on what makes sense for college. If I'm going to college, does it mean I have to go to this super expensive university if I don't have a scholarship? Doesn't mean I can start at a community college and then work my way up. So there's lots of options, but it's just being aware and and sometimes having to swallow that pride or that, oh, but I really want to go there. Because at the end of the day, the whole goal of going to college is so that you can get a job that you want. Most employers don't care where you went to college. They care that, okay, it's a, it's a legit school and you have the skills. We want you. You're a good fit for our company. We want you. You have the piece of paper that says you have a four-year degree. We want you. And so really a lot of the, the aspect of the college name is really more from society's push. And a lot of parents like, oh, yes, I want you to go there. And oh, my gosh, my friends are going there. So I got to go there. And the reality is the whole goal of it, you don't need the big expensive paycheck to go along with it. So many important reminders there, so many nuggets of wisdom. And yes, yes, on all fronts, I think there's so much truth to all of that. And I think one of the things that, you know, we definitely want to make sure that we address here is um, just the decision on what you want to do in terms of your education and how you go about funding that obviously needs to be very, very thoughtful and um, really, really take into account those things that you discussed. However, you know, for the individuals now that are maybe nearing completion of their degree, they are um, going to be finishing their bachelor's or master's very, very soon, and they're going to be uh, in the job search here imminently, or maybe they're already in the job search. Um, you know, this is part of the audience that we cater to is, is not just uh, students, but also recent graduates and, and early career professionals. They're already out there. They're already pounding the pavement. And maybe maybe they're trying to break free of some of those mistakes that they made early on and, and try to dig themselves out of a hole. Now they're in this situation where they're job searching. They're trying to find a really, really good um, launching pad to start their career. And part of that is getting off to a great start in terms of their salary. One of the mistakes that I made early on and so easy to make is really not understanding that you have any leverage as a recent graduate to negotiate salary. Um, mm -hmm. But I wanted to ask you about that and about, you know, how these recent graduate now out here job searching um, in a tough market, how can they really, really work themselves for that best starting place to get the return on the investment that they need? 
Yeah, absolutely. Because it is a challenge. And I think a lot of students, I know I was in under the same misconception of, oh, I'm going to get this degree because, you know, not, I mean, it establishes me as, hey, I have a bachelor's degree. You know, that shouldn't automatically make me, yeah, I should be making 50, 60 plus thousand dollars a year. The reality is a lot of starting careers, regardless of bachelor's degrees or not, that's not where the starting pay is. It's typically in the 40,000s. I mean, look at average across the salary, unless you're in a high in demand job, you're going in IT. Yeah, you're going to make some good money out of your four year degree. Um, so I think just being cognizant of that, we're okay. What realistically should I be able to make as an entry level person? Because you're still entry level, even if you have a bachelor's degree, unless you have prior experience in that field. And so I think having that that notion of, okay, doing the research, like locally where I'm at, what is the starting pay average around here for graduates? Because then when you go to an employer and they give you an offer, if it's well beneath that, you know, well, okay, realistically it should be up to here. It doesn't mean they're going to make the ten dollars to $20,000 jump, but it leaves room for negotiation and it leaves that opportunity for students to actually kind of pull for themselves. And the more that you can you know, show that you know what you're talking about, that you can do the job, exerting that confidence and just showing that employer that they do want to hire you, that yes, you want me, like you want me to work for you because I'm awesome. Like that is what you want this employer to think. And they're going to be a lot more open to having conversations because they're not going to lose you as a good candidate, especially in today's world and market where they employers don't have as broad of an area to pick from. And so when they get good talent, they don't want to lose that. Well, and I think part of it too, like you're saying, to do your research is so important because when you go into negotiating, if you have no idea what the standards are or what the averages of that area are or what the living costs of that area are, there's so many factors that can really change what is a good salary or a better salary or how much should you be negotiating. I know um, I was in a situation, this was like right after graduate school where I had been offered a job that was a significantly lower salary in a much higher cost living city. And then three hours from that city was offered a job that was much higher paying and much less living costs. And so it was a decision of like, what type of lifestyle do I want? But also at the same time, a little bit of a no brainer of like, I can set myself up for better financial success by not living in this big city. Um, and having more freedom to then have money to do things like travel and and do other things. So I think doing that research and kind of knowing what your field or industry is like and kind of what those standards are, but then also knowing those other things like the living costs and mm-hmm. and that can be so beneficial. And just doing that little bit of research um, can really be such a turning point for soon to be grads and job seekers and and all of that. So I definitely agree. And and the thing to keep in mind for students too is if you know you have to have a certain amount, don't come to desperation where it's like, okay, I need to make this much money and an employer doesn't want to negotiate or work with you. Sometimes it's okay to say no. Sometimes it's okay to step away. Don't feel like, oh my gosh, but I haven't gotten any other interviews or anything else. Unless you truly like, hey, I have to have this job, then yes, you're going to have to take what they're going to offer you. But know that you can walk away if it's not what you want and what you need. Such a good point. And kind of along the same line of like job seekers and people who are evaluating offers and accepting job offers, are there other factors that our listeners should really be thinking about when they're accepting offers that can set them up for better success financially outside of just like the salary package alone? 
Absolutely. And I think that's something to consider too, is maybe on paper, oh, your paycheck isn't going to be $60,000 a year. Maybe it's only going to be 45 or 50. However, their benefits are very, very good. And I think a lot of people forget about that piece that that company is paying for part of that. When you have a really good benefit package, that means that company is paying more money for it. And so I think for students to also take that into consideration of, okay, the salary may not be exactly where I want, but what are the other perks and benefits to working with this employer? Do they give you great vacation time? Do they match your 401k? Do you have these other benefits there? Because sometimes that can also be a good determining factor. Um, I like to use even in the higher education space, like the government space is a great example of that. They don't pay good compared to the private sector at all whatsoever. However, their retirement packages are amazing. You know, if you have retirement packages like in the state, I'm in Ohio, and so our state benefits are fabulous. I mean, you're looking at a 15% match. So 15% of your money that you make, your company is giving into your retirement. I mean, that is a huge deal. Most companies, you're looking at fifty, you know, maybe 5%, 6% on the high end mm -hmm. in the private sector. Yes. So that makes a huge difference in the long term. And so I think taking those things into consideration, and even though, yes, retirement can be very overwhelming and there's so much about it, but it is extremely important to look at that piece. I think above all things, when it comes to looking at a benefit package, I think the retirement is one of the biggest areas because that is your future. You know, if you don't want to work till the day you die, which I don't know who does. Some people tell me they want to. and I'm like, no, you don't. You're lying to me. And I think just knowing that, OK, well, then I have to put money aside for my future. And if my company's going to help contribute money to that, that is awesome. And that's a really good benefit. And I shouldn't pass that up. Yeah. And I'll just add in about benefits too. I know I talk with a lot of students who are kind of nervous to like ask questions about the benefits package that they're being offered and to get clarification on these things. And so I just want to like take a second to stress to people, like ask those questions. HR should be able to answer them. And depending on kind of the company that you're working for and the type of organization, like there's opportunities to meet with retirement people to understand mm -hmm. it. And those can be really beneficial um, conversations to have and to just make sure that you have a good understanding of, you know, what is your organization or your company offering you and, and are you using it too? Because I think there's also a lot of benefits that people just don't even know their company offers. And that's, you know, maybe not necessarily like quote unquote free money out there, but it's, <laughs> there's some opportunities out there to get the most out of what you're being offered if you're using it correctly or if you're asking the right questions. Yep. Especially in retirement, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't believe the amount of the population that does not contribute to their employer's 401k match to get that match. It's sad. <laughs> it breaks my heart. <laughs> Yes. And I, I think really the moral of the story is, you know, really making sure that you're evaluating these things holistically. And, and that's such a good point. And if you really need, you know, any more evidence, really do some, some calculations on what a 10% difference over like 40 years is actually going to add up to in retirement savings. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's incredible. So take advantage. I mean, those things are, are absolutely, absolutely game changers. So I love it. I would love to talk a little bit more on that subject, but um, I really wanted to ask you just in terms of um, resources, as we start closing out this episode, 
I'm sure you've got some really, really great information that uh, our students and graduates and our listeners can really kind of dip their their uh, you know toes into and really learn a little bit more about these types of things from uh, an individual who um, really coaches people on a day in and day out. So what are some great resources, websites, apps, or, or, or you know things like that that they can use to be a little bit more financially savvy? Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely think, I think number one for me and for all my clients, and I'm not saying this just as a Dave Ramsey person either, but his, um, his app is fabulous. Like his budgeting tool that he has, it's called every dollar. It is amazing. It is a game changer actually working with a, a new client right now. And we got her all set up on that about a week and a half ago. And we had another meeting tonight and she is like, I've already been more cognizant of my spending because I'm using this app because it's an app and it links right to your bank account. So every time you spend money, it comes through and it pops up on your screen and you're like, oh, crap. So it's it is just such a helpful way to stay accountable because the old school way of doing an Excel budget, that's not that's not practical anymore, especially for teenagers who are extremely tech savvy. They're not going to go and want to pull up Google Sheets or an Excel document and track every single thing that they're spending. It's just, I mean, if you can, awesome. Kudos to you because you are one of the few. So for me, that app is a game changer. That is like the number one way to get started on your finances. It's easy to use. They have a free version, a paid version. And just within that, if you do the paid version, it has a ton of other resources too. So I absolutely love that. I think that's my favorite financial tool. Um, Other one I would say, and it's maybe not so much an app or anything, it's more of a person, but of getting in to a financial advisor. So I am not a financial advisor. I'm a financial coach. So I'm different. I don't take people's money and invest it for them. What I do is help them manage their money so they can actually start investing money. But a financial advisor, I think, is one of the number one decisions or I guess selections a student needs to do when they graduate high school, when they graduate college, whatever it is. As soon as you start getting an income of any sort, even if it's at McDonald's, find a really good financial advisor, do your research because there's tons of them out there. Make sure it's a good one. Get you know testimonials, reviews, and things, but talk to them immediately because the sooner you can start investing money, one, it's a no-brainer. As soon as you're investing, you're already doing it. So even when your pay goes up and all those things, it's not oh I'll do it eventually. I'll do it when I get more money. You're already doing it, and so you don't even think about it. It's just kind of happening, and it's no big deal. And next thing you know, you're 65 years old and you have a couple million dollars for retirement, and you're in a very good position. Um, so I think that those are like the most important things, I think, especially as a young person is get to managing your money, start investing early. Um, there's tons of resources out there. I will say Dave Ramsey is a great resource. He has blogs, all types of things on there. I do love the information. Not everybody agrees with everything and that's totally fine, um, but it is a good place to start for sure. I'd say those are my probably two favorite tools um, for finances. I think the biggest takeaway for anyone listening, if you are a high school student, a current college student, or a young professional, is that you do have time on your side right now. And I know that's one of the the biggest takeaways when we're doing like financial wellness programming in the campus that that I work on is like time is on your side right now. So taking those steps now can be such such an impactful thing. Um, later on. So Tracy, we ask all of our guests uh, this question at the end to wrap up. Um, So do you have a best piece of career advice that you would like to pass along to our listeners? Absolutely. So I would say best piece of career advice 
is to follow your passion and to try it out before saying, yes, this is my career path. I mean, you could say, hey, I love this. I love everything about it. Get into it and decide, you know what? This isn't for me. So any way you can, whether it's an internship, apprenticeship, job shadow, get involved, get hands-on with the career, get as much experience as you can, um, and just really follow your passion. Don't, don't stay in something that you're miserable. You work too much of your life to be in a job that you hate. I love that. One of the things that um, Cassie and I were just talking about was the um, continuity of the message of so many of our guests and how um, we seem to hear very, very similar messages put in different language. <laughs> and that is a very common one. And I was literally just talking with a colleague about that today, about how it is so important to experience um, and to actually go through the motions and see what your emotional reaction is uh, when testing out. So those internships, the experiential learning opportunities, the, the apprenticeships or trade schools, any opportunity that you have to actually physically feel your work, um, you know, is, is an opportunity for growth and, um, and clarity. So I love it. I love it. So I wish that we could continue talking for another three hours because <laughs> I feel like we're scratching the surface. This is such a great, great topic. And it's so different for us, but, um, but this is huge. Uh, everything that we talked about today is really impactful because it has long-term ramifications on the quality of life uh, that our young people can really have. These decisions that you make today really drastically do impact you. And if you, really needed more evidence of that. Um, you know, if you do dig into Dave Ramsey's work, one of the things that you'll learn very, very quickly, which I didn't know until I started listening, is that student loans are immune to bankruptcy. So mm -hmm. they will stay with you <laughs> for the end of time. Uh, it doesn't matter how difficult life gets on you. So thinking about these financial decisions really does um, have a serious, serious um, consequence if you're not smart about it. So everything that you talked about today was so incredibly helpful. And I'm absolutely confident that people are going to now want to subscribe to what you're doing and find your content and learn a little bit more about your practice. So can you um, provide a little bit more information about how our listeners can connect? Absolutely. So we actually um, brand new website just launched. Uh, we redid it and it's all pretty and beautiful now. So it is just raising the next gen.com. So nice and easy website. And then they can also reach me by email at info at raising the next gen.com. So love to connect with people, creating a blog on there for parents. We're creating a YouTube channel for teens. Very excited about all the content that's about to come out with that, plus an amazing resource page with a bunch of other resources and, and things to help in the college career and life space. Awesome. Well, Tracy, thanks so much for being on the podcast and sharing your insight and advice with all of us. Um, we're so happy you were here. Well, absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me. This has been a great opportunity and a great conversation. This is your career GPS and your journey awaits. <laughs>